Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I'm Dave, creator, host, narrator, writer, producer, and, well, I guess you could just say the mind behind AIC Stories. That's right. Like you guys probably know, AIC Stories is a very small, independent, one-man operation. And as you probably know, creating a podcast, especially one with multiple series like AIC Stories, takes a lot of work, a lot of time, effort, and, let's be honest, a lot of money. That's why I wanted to take just a second to let you know that if you love AIC Stories and want to help support the show, you can do that now in a couple different ways, including at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Buy Me A Coffee is a way for you as a listener to help keep the lights on and keep the stories flowing. Every little bit helps, and while I was very hesitant to even think about asking anyone for money because, well, who likes to do that? I had more than a few people ask how they could help support AIC Stories, and I figured, why not? People were asking, so let's give you guys the option. And truly, the support means the world to me, so I do sincerely thank you for that. Of course, I know not everyone is in a position to financially support the show through Buy Me A Coffee, but that doesn't mean you still can't help me out immensely. If you can take a second to leave a rating and review, or even just share the show on social media or tell your friends about all the great storytelling content happening right here at AIC Stories, you'll be helping me out just as much as any financial support through Buy Me A Coffee would. And I'm eternally grateful for any and all help that you guys can give me. Like I said, this is a small independent podcast and it takes a lot of work to keep this thing going and any of this help that you can do really just means the world to me and helps me keep delivering better and better content to you guys each and every week. So jump over to buymeacoffee.com slash AIC stories or just visit AICstories.com and you'll find all the links right there if you want to help financially support AIC stories. Or, of course, you can find me on social media everywhere at AIC Stories. And you can leave a rating, review in the podcast player of your choice. So share the show, tell your friends, rate and review if you can. And if you're able to and interested, buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories is where you can go to financially support the show and, and help keep these stories flowing. I do truly appreciate it. I'm sorry for the interruption here. Now, let's get to our regularly scheduled programming. Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Well, if you're still listening to this crazy ride, let me just say two things. First off, thank you for spending so much of your time with me as I share my journey to finding Mystery Minnesota with you. At least I hope someone is listening to this. I hope someone finds this and understands that the search for Mystery Minnesota is dangerous. I don't recommend it. It'll cost you more than you might be willing to pay. It might cost you everything. Anyways. Secondly, 
I just want to let you know that we're nearing the end of my tale. As my search pressed on, things became a bit chaotic, so before we jump into the last few parts of this story, how about we take just a moment to take a deep breath, catch our breath a bit, relax, cause we'll need it. Thinking back, it, it feels like this all happened in the blink of an eye, my journey and search for Mystery Minnesota, but it's been years, long, exhausting, and painful years. The, uh, the last leg of this journey though, well, it all just happened so fast and I'm still not sure I can wrap my head around it all. Like you guys know, it, it started with that note, the, the death of my grandpa, and a little note that sent me searching and seeking this thing called Mystery Minnesota. It had a cryptic warning that, well, let's be honest, I completely ignored it. Turns out my brother planted that note to help me through the grief of losing my grandpa. But because of that note, I met Ben and his folks. I met Sven and learned of old Zeke and the Bakahostin, a deadly duo of monsters seemingly born of the fog. Sven tried to tell us and most treated him like a senile old man lost in some imaginary world, trapped in his dementia-ravaged mind. Now I see that Sven wasn't losing it, not necessarily. He, I think he knew exactly what he was talking about and, well, not for the first time along this journey, I, I wish you were still around to help me figure out just what is going on. I, I have a feeling maybe he had more stories to tell, but he took that final swim and donated his life to save Ben from old Zeke. Well, that led us to Roger Pitsy, the stone-faced man that watched his brother be torn to shreds in front of him as children. Unable to stop it, unable to save little Jimmy, that evil predator that smelled of peppermint stepped into this world and ripped Jimmy away. And then all these years later, it nearly did the same to me. This time, Roger seemed ready. And while I still feel the icy sting of pain from that monster, Roger saved me. Saved me like he tried to save his brother so many years ago. I... I still don't know what happened to Roger, but... I don't know. Roger and that damn creature, they, they seem to have simply vanished. Of course, then we have the UFOs and invisible monsters. Vanishing cars in the woods. It's... It's just... Well, it's, it's just a lot. 
You know, I'm, I'm sitting here staring out my window as I try to sort out just what happened at the same time I try to get all this documented and... I guess it's all just so much, but... All we can do is move forward. Like I said, this story is almost finished. I'm gonna hike back up in the woods shortly, but... First, let me, let me tell you about Joni Faustin. Maybe one of the sweetest people I've ever met and absolutely the one that endured a lifetime of mean, nasty rumors when she held nothing but love and wonder in every fiber of her body. There was no debating it. My, my brother and I agreed that we wouldn't wait for the Barths to return, so we dug up a number in the phone book for Joni Faustin and with a deep breath I called. The phone rang about five times before that kind voice answered on the other end, but not a hello, not a how can I help you, no. Joni answered the phone and simply said, I was wondering when you'd be calling. Come on up, of course I'll tell you how to find that spot Arnie and Walter talked about. Now, I hadn't said a word. I hadn't introduced myself, I, I couldn't speak. The phone rang, she dropped that on me, and all I could sputter out was, Oh, oh, oh okay, well, will tomorrow work? Like an idiot. I was dumbfounded. She told me tomorrow worked just fine, and I hung up. My brother sat there looking at me in total confusion, but I don't know, maybe not as much confusion as I had. I told him what had just happened and anticipated more of his teasing, but I don't know. I thought maybe I'd get more of his eye-rolling skepticism, but by that point I think he had passed the realm of laughing it all off and was firmly standing in the anything as possible, what the heck is coming up next territory. So the next day we made our way up that small dirt road to that tiny little home way back in the woods. Pulling up to the house, Joni was on the first step, leaning on the railing of the small deck, just waiting for us. Once inside, she welcomed us to sit. She had coffee and some chocolate glazed donuts waiting, so we sat and she began to tell us about her, uh, her, her gift, as she called it. Based on what she told us that day, she, she first learned it was possible while in her early 20s. She'd been sitting down while waiting for her husband to come home from work, just relaxing in her chair with her feet up after a long day of working in the garden. She said she had closed her eyes, listening to the sound of the clock ticking in the kitchen. The wind rustling through the leaves outside, the birds chirping and singing while the hot summer afternoon went about its business. Suddenly she felt like she was falling, but not falling down, more of a falling out and away from herself. Like a dream where you're falling through the darkness but wake up with a flinch before you land, except this was more of a floating out of herself feeling. like. Like she was inside a balloon, pushing out against the rubber skin until, pop! She felt something release, a, a popping sensation, not painful at all, but startling for sure. 
In that moment, she turned and saw she was looking down at herself asleep in her chair while some sort of rope, or at least what felt like a rope, even though she couldn't really see anything there, wrapped around her waist and led back to her body. Now, as you can imagine, this was pretty startling, she said, and with a panic, she stepped down towards her body, and with another pop, she was back in her body, eyes snapping open as she pinched herself hard on the arm to make sure she was awake. She she said she figured she had just dozed off, had, had been dreaming, but man, it, it all felt so real. Over the next few months, she would come to find that it was no dream. She'd sit down in that chair, put her feet up, and let her mind relax tell her body to relax a little at a time as if that relaxation was spreading like water, being soaked up from her toes and gradually working its way to her head. When the relaxation would reach her head, she told us she would feel that floating sensation, think about that balloon and about pushing through it to the outside and then that familiar little pop and she'd be free. Once she started to realize she wasn't dreaming, that she could do this at will, she quickly grew in bravery with where and what she was willing to do. She told us how she went to find the best blueberry patches in the nearby forest, she'd visit her husband at work in the mines, and eventually she'd expanded to checking on her son at school, following him on a field trip with a class out of town, or roaming the countryside hundreds of miles away just to enjoy the wilderness. She'd learned that she was, in some way, there wherever she was, but also not there. People couldn't seem to see her, and she couldn't really interact with them, at, at least not directly. You see, she said eventually she'd learn to do small things, write a note when no one was around, move a, a dangerous toy off the floor so the kid didn't trip and smack its head, uh, close doors, that kind of stuff. But she was never able to interact with anything living. Of course, all those years ago in her excitement over her newly discovered gift, she told her husband all about it. He laughed it off and called her crazy, just like everyone else in town that she would tell. That's where the rumors started. To, uh, to get them to believe her, she'd prove it by telling about things she'd seen them doing. Things she probably wouldn't know unless she was there, but they all just nervously laughed it off and said she was crazy. You know, when she started dropping facts about things that she shouldn't have been able to know, the natural reaction was to not believe her, but to ridicule her and, and slander her name, smear her name through the mud. That's how the crazy flying space lady rumors began, and her husband left her a few years later. He just refused to believe what she was saying and couldn't handle her crazy talk anymore. Truth be told, she said, she was better off without him. She could focus on raising their son and not have to take care of the lazy slouch of a man she was married to at the same time. 
I know I'm, I'm kind of skipping over things here, believe me. Sitting there eating those amazing chocolate glazed donuts, sipping hot coffee, and listening to this sweet old woman tell my brother and I that she was somehow stepping out of her body and traveling around the world like a ghost, I mean, oof. We'd, <laughs> we'd been getting used to accepting all sorts of crazy things, but this, this seemed pretty out there. Believe me, I, well, I think both of us were really, uh, both of us were fascinated by her story, but I, I, I think I could have sat there eating donuts, drinking coffee, and listening to her tales of her travels every day for the rest of my life. She just had one of those soothing, kind, and always happy and curious sorts of voices. As if she was always just barely holding back a bit of laughter and wonder, while the sparkle in her eyes spoke of a hint of mischief thrown in for good measure. Sadly though, that, that wasn't how it played out. She basically sprinted through her past, through her adventures, as as if it was no big deal. I, I suppose she felt like they weren't necessary to why we were there, so she didn't waste time getting detoured by them. All that to say is, I, I hope you aren't angry with me for seemingly glossing over this amazing gift she claimed to possess, but it's, it's really all she gave us to work with. As she continued, she told us how, when her husband had left her, she began to travel further. See, she wanted to see sights she otherwise had no way to see in her real life. Places like the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls, uh, a lot of trips to the mountains and the coasts, since we didn't have those here in Minnesota. She told us that with a smile. But then her face grew dark as she... She turned to look over at the chair and footstool next to the big picture window in the living room. When her son was 18, he was uh, drafted into the Vietnam War. He quickly rose through the ranks and was serving on a special ops team where they'd go in with a small team of men and work to sabotage and assassinate, if possible, uh, important places and people so the main forces could proceed forward. From the day he left on his first tour of duty, he served five tours, she told us, she would sit in her chair every afternoon to go check in on him. Her heart broke seeing the cruelness of war he was forced to endure, the countless times he found himself in extreme danger and her motherly instinct would kick in as she feared she was about to witness his death only to have her heart swell with pride as he continued to find a way to stay alive. She saw him once writing in a small diary he kept as he talked about whatever scrape he had been involved in that day, another scrape that nearly cost him his life, and he wrote his vow to come home safe to her. When he was first drafted, he told her not to worry because he promised he'd come home safe and sound. He, he wouldn't walk out on her like his father had. And he reminded himself of that promise each and every day. He had to find a way to survive so he didn't have to break that promise and leave his mother all alone. She watched him hunker down in steaming swamps, bullets ripping through the jungle around him, explosions rocking the land he walked on. Saw him save a small village of children being forced to place landmines by the enemy. 
witnessed him save his teammates and friends from certain destruction in the thickest fires of the carnage erupting through the sweltering jungle all around them. Saw countless successful missions in which they were able to destroy that critical bridge, cutting off support from the enemy, or even cringed in sorrow watching him assassinate military leaders under the cover of night. Heavy knife slicing and burying itself against the spine in a sliced open throat that now spilled its hot life force freely. She tried so many times to reach out to him in the quiet moments to comfort him as he woke from the nightmares amidst the disturbed sleep, but she couldn't reach him. All she could do was watch helplessly and pray. And pray she did. When he was home briefly on leave, uh, between tours, she told him how she visited him every day, how she checked in on him and stayed with him in the most trying times. He never quite believed her before that, figured she was mostly just dreaming, or that she had some other way of finding out information about people that she could convince them she had seen on her travels, but I don't know, kind of like how most psychics would pull the wool over their audience's eyes. But when she told him about the specific details regarding things, she stood by his side as he fought and survived. Details no one could know unless they were there. Locations, his actions and reactions as he was forced to kill or be killed. And what really convinced him was when she mentioned she saw what he wrote in his diary. His vow to come home to her. A diary that never left his pocket and he had never shown anyone. She told him what page he had written it on, how the mix of sweat and blood had smeared the corner of that specific page. She told him to pull it out of his pocket where he kept it, tucked inside his shirt, which he did. And as he stared at the dried blood and sweat smeared on the page she told him it would be on, he, he began to cry. From there forward, he knew she was there at some point every day and it brought him a bit of comfort, even though he regretted the fact she was willingly witnessing the horrors of war he was living through. But that last tour, it, it broke her, pushed her beyond what she'd ever done. She was there when his platoon was ambushed, tried to take the bullets for him as they tore through his body, cried and tried to hold him as the life faded from his eyes. And in the moments before he died, she saw him look at her, sadness in his eyes as he apologized for breaking his promise. He looked right at her, spoke to her. He saw her. She watched as he lifted from his body and in a flash was pulled away and vanished. In his final moments as his body died and he passed on to somewhere else, his spirit traveled on just like hers. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICPod.com. 
If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures and Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota.